Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Transmissions from the Ninth World. I'm one of your hosts, David Brown. With me is always Eric Coates. Howdy. Jim Ryan. Howdy, howdy. And uh, we're still coming off the high of the last episode, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, having Monty on was a huge pleasure for all of us, and um, I, I, one of the reasons we're a, a little slack in getting this next one out is um, I, I keep re-listening to it. It's it's full of <laughs> chock full of good information, um, and and just and just knowing that you're not going to be able to do one as good as it is. <laughs> <laughs> not going to lie, that that was a factor. It's depressing. All downhill from here, folks. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Sorry. <laughs> The, the good news is is that um, uh, that was such a you know a fun and enjoyable experience. It certainly has uh, kept us on through the holidays and and um, given us momentum going into this year. And and we have a number of uh, potential surprises coming down the road. Uh, maybe other guests that I don't want to specify out until we have some things locked into place. But um, we're going to have a busy year leading up to the release, and um, uber excited about all that. So. Um, uh, just on the top of the show, let's uh, we're going to hit some uh, Numenera news. We're going to get into some Numenera mechanics, um, and we're going to start a new um, uh, part of the show called Kicking It Forward since Numenera was successful and, and uh, off of a Kickstarter. Uh, Eric and, and the rest of us are going to share some Kickstarters we're into to, to help some of these other RPG projects out. Um, but other than that, uh, I think uh, you guys have a good holidays. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it was yep. all a blur. It was all a blur. <laughs> yeah, we got through it um, yes. barely. I, I had a wonderful Christmas Hanukkah and Ali Yuladanovus. Um, yes, uh, Jim oh, is uh, kind of bilingual. Yeah, Jim. Jim needs to trademark <laughs> that because that's pretty good. He not only speaks English, he speaks Jiminese. <laughs> Jiminese. I can see that. That's good stuff. You have, to, you have to go to a foreign country to teach it, though. That's the only problem. <laughs> Some faraway myth, mystical country yeah. that doesn't really exist yes. except in Jim's mind. <laughs> yes, exactly. That should actually be an episode of your, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Crucible episode? Oh, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> the world of Jim's mind. <laughs> in my head. Is that, isn't that like, I was going to say, that, that is every episode, is it not? <laughs> We're just all lucky we escape. Yes. yes. <laughs> or did you? I don't know. Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, ah, Jim, not Jim. <laughs> all right. So let's get into the news. Numenera in the news. Yes. Uh, maybe we need to create some bumpers or something uh, like Numenera in the news or something like that. Um, but anyways, so Numenera in the news, obviously – uh, in the past uh, few weeks, we had uh, sensationally exciting news um, that Monty announced that he is going to be working with the fellows. Um, I believe it was was it Brian Fargo. Is that the? Yep. Um, that he who had had a hand in creating Planescape Torment, one of the all time classic and uh, referenced 
computer role-playing games. They're making a spiritual sequel to it. And this time, Numenera will be the setting. And I cannot be happier. Oh, yeah. Just excited. It's going to be awesome. Yes. Um, you know, I, I was excited when they had the Kickstarter for Project... Um, uh, help me here. Um Project Help Me Here? No, I don't think they did a Kickstarter for that. <laughs> Project Eternity, the um, uh, very much in line of the the Black Isle style uh, isometric computer games um, mm-hmm. that, that looks to be really successful, but um, but this is just like a step further um, for me, especially being focused on Numenera. As excited as we are about the setting, to have a computer game based on one of my all time favorites on Numenera, I just can't describe. I mean, it, the, being part you know, or, or uh, I guess in a sideway part of this project has been, um, uh, it keeps getting better. Uh, I, I'm so thrilled for Monty. I'm so th- thrilled for what this could mean for the role-playing game, for everything else connected to it, because uh, it just adds exposure. No, oh, absolutely. I'm I'm even excited about it, and I'm not a uh, computer games guy, really. I mean, I like computer <laughs> games. Um, don't get me wrong. It's just I hate the rat race that computers games pro- produce, basically. You know, always trying to get the better video card, always trying to get the better. But, you know, oh, yeah. I will probably actually get into this just because, and I will probably love it. And I hate that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me do things. I don't <laughs> want I can't look at Thank you, Monty. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> what I've gotten from a lot of these games, like Project Eternity and all this, I don't feel like they're going to be any of these like uber cutting edge things that you're going to yeah. need a Hawkins system to run. They're they're getting that the storyline is what's best, and, yes. and mm. you know, improve graphics from what we've had before. But I I don't imagine some uber visual experience to compete with whatever people feel like they need to compete with. Yeah. Uh, and also, it's really cool. I haven't had much of a chance to play Planescape Torment, uh, maybe a little bit. But uh, the the one thing, whenever I hear people talk about computer-based RPGs, that the, the one game that I hear over and over again that people come back to is that one. And so I'm very much looking forward to it and particularly excited to see that there's going to be something with, a, with the Numenera setting. I think it's going to be really cool. Sure. Yeah, I... The experience of, of the computer games in the past, the, the Black Isle games really stand out. And, you know, what, those are the games like, you know, Baldur's Gate, which just recently got re-released for the iOS, um, Icewind Dale, um, of course, Planescape Torment, uh, the Fallouts, the original Fallouts, mm-hmm. um, and even some some of their more obscure ones like um, uh, Lionheart was, was actually – it was fun in some ways. It, it failed in others, but – um, but yeah, it's uh, good storytelling, and I think most of those guys ended up at Bioware and Obsidian and those types of of places that are now, you know, cornerstones of of the the role playing genres. So so that's good. Yeah, you guys are dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you guys did that on purpose, didn't you? Sorry, I was. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was sorry, mute. I was taking a reality break. Are we back? Yeah, our, our mute moment. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but no, oh, seriously, cool. yeah, it's very cool. That, those are just uh, uh, I, I'm th- that news is just couldn't be more exciting for for Monty for the for the game in general for for all the fans because 
you know, it's just more to enjoy it. And, you know, and some people are very purist. Hey, I just want to play my pen and paper, stay away from the computer. But I think it, it exposes it to multiple worlds. And if you happen to like both, then it's just candy. So, just candy. Just candy. So, um, the other big news, well, big news in my my world, not necessarily in, in all of Numenera, but um, over the holidays, I took some time and I started a new site that we are calling the Ninth World Hub. Both Jim and Eric are members on there. Uh, it is ninthworldhub.com, very simple URL. And basically, I'm, I want it to be a community site for fans of Numenera, uh, a central location for news a place to hang, you know, we have, there's chat rooms on there. Not that a lot of people chat in there, but you know, it, it could happen. Um, it's got forums. It's got ability to, to create events. It's very much kind of a social media, uh, based hub. That's one of the things I was looking for when I was, um, you know, figuring out what I want to base, base the site on. And, and, uh, I did use Ning, which um, I didn't have a lot of exposure to, but uh, it seemed to hit a lot of the the notes that I wanted to hit with the site, and I'm pleased with it so far. Um, we're growing short, slowly but steadily, and um, uh, tried to get as much information. We've got RSS feed of Monty's blog, RSS feed of our own podcast. Um, bunch of other uh, good and useful tools. Um, and, and the nice thing is seeing how it's growing organically. We've got a guy from Spain who started a Numenera in Espanol group. Um, we've had some folks from the UK, some folks, uh, other states across the, the U.S. Uh, so I'm real happy. Um, what do you guys? Yeah, I think. No, it's awesome. You know... I... Go ahead, Jim. Go. <laughs> no. Go. <laughs> no, you first. No, you first. No, you first. <laughs> no, I think it's awesome. I think it's great that we're uh... – We've got this site building up, and uh, I think it would be even more awesome if folks listening would go and check it out because then you can actually interact, and it's uh, it's looking pretty cool so far. I like the little communities that are cropping up as a result of it inside the site. Uh, absolutely, and and I you know I feel it's a, it's a little busy right now, and it's just because there's so many different options that we have in here. But I, certainly, if if some of them are less successful or, or nobody's really taken advantage of, we certainly can clean it up some. And the other thing I wanted to point out is I've been trying to collect all the Numenera art that's been put out there. So we've got that all together in a nice collection and gallery too. So um, good conversations started on there. And, and I did create a section specifically for people who want to talk about the computer game and people who wanted to talk about the Numenera Thunderstone. So um, uh, every every different aspect of um, – and sorry, those are forums, not groups. I think I said groups, but um, the forums, we've got plenty of uh, stuff about the locations, uh, the Numenera of the Ninth World, the actual artifacts, ciphers, and oddities, the art, um, some behind-the-scenes stuff, um, all sorts of different sections that uh, hopefully you guys can go and make some comments on and ask some questions, and hopefully some of those will get answered. And, uh, you know, we also would like to make sure that you use it to discuss with us what you'd like to hear on the podcast um, and any kind of feedback that you have on the podcast, on, on the site, or or us. <laughs> any, anything that you want to talk about, it's a fair game on there. So please bring your, uh, bring your questions and be inquisitive and have discussions with us, things that you would like to maybe even ask Monty if we have another interview with him. Uh, you know, let let us hear about it so we can actually get your voice in all of this because we do this not only for us, but we do do it for you too. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, this is this is definitely a labor of love for us, but it's also because we want to help inform because it's such an exciting project. We'd, we'd like to see it be successful. So uh, we want to help as much as possible, help Monty get the word out on different stuff and um, just to, to serve the game because it's going to be more enjoyable for us in the long run. Yes. Tell us things. Tell us all the things. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> So, All the things. Again, that's ninthworldhub.com. Please come and join us. Um, don't and be shy. Ninth world is spelled out. N I N T H. Yes, thank you. Yes, yep, I have. All has spelled out. Yeah, we always spell out ninth world. Except I do have a little nine icon for the uh, the favicon. But um, anyway, um, so yeah, so come and enjoy and uh, let us know what what you what you think of. And you know, speaking of getting feedback for the show, I guess I should put a. Um, a little section in the forums about the show. So yeah, we can make announcements and stuff. <laughs> I, I did build us as a group. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll play with that later. So <coughs> pardon me. Um, anybody else have any Numenera news or are we ready to move on to our mechanics discussion? That's all I can think of at the moment. Yeah. Uh, exciting to exciting few weeks and uh, um, just keeps getting better and better. So, Let's get into our main section. Um, we have slotted out to talk about um, the mechanics, uh, specifically uh, character stats and XP. Um, and we are going, as we have been, off some older blogs, uh, blog posts that Monty put out. Um, the ones we're specifically looking at are called uh, Stats and Training in Numenera, Experience Points in the Numenera GM, and more on Experience Points. So follow along with us. Uh, so let's start the conversation off, guys. Um, stats in Numenera. Um, this is interesting for me. Um, you know, I'm I'm one of those guys who's grown up pretty much on the classic D and D and and uh, old D six Star Wars games. So those are those are really my center point for any role playing experience. Uh, got out of it for a while and got back in in uh, you know three point five days. Um, so. Just recently, you guys have helped me get into some of these indie games that have done things differently. And what I like the most, and, and help me if I've got the wrong perception here, but it sounds a lot like Monty has taken these kind of core concepts of some of the older games, but mixing in some of these kind of indie feel games and how you interact and, and trying to make it more story-driven and less crunchy. Yeah, yeah that, definitely. That's my impression as well. Um, so... The, the three main stats for a character, um, he's got might slash health, speed slash agility, and intellect slash personality. Now, obviously, those can line up fairly similarly to some of the classic stats in some of the classic games. Um, but combining them into three basic stats, how do you guys feel about that? I, I, I think it's... Go ahead. This is going to be one of our times. No, your turn this time. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> if only we were in the same room, we could see that the other one was going to talk. <laughs> that, not that that would stop us from talking over each other. <laughs> Don't give away our secrets. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I actually really like it. I, I think, you know, there are a lot of games that really try to stat out way too many things. And I think, uh, you know, it, it's important for a game to kind of minimize some of that, especially when it's more story-driven, so that people aren't so focused on this stat or that stat. I think it's it's really nice to kind of like just say, okay, these are the basic things, and 
you know, keep that list small. Don't don't go way overboard with it because then it just becomes a, a nightmare keeping track of and looking at and then always like trying to figure out which one's relevant when. Yeah. And then you got to always be looking into the book to, to figure out, okay, when do I use this stat versus when do I use this stat? Right. If, if they're that close together, then really, you know, just, just have a few and keep it small. And I think that that's a great thing for this game. And it also makes it very friendly to people coming in new from the hobby because they don't have to think of all these different statistics. I actually like very much that three stats is good. Um, I like the fact that uh, it it really is more of a general thing because it's up to the player to define uh, really what that means when you put that number into the stat. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, when uh, you're trying to put effort into an action um, or uh, you're, you're trying to encourage one particular side of it. Um, and that's looks like the way things are set up, that's going to come out and play, and I'm very excited to see how that goes. Right. Yeah, I, to me, what I like about it is, A, you don't really have a place for a dump stat when you only have three stats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you're you're going to try and be a little bit more middle of the road for the most part, but maybe pump in the one that, that most applies. And, you know, it aligns fairly well with the three um, the three types that we've mentioned before, you know, the the glaive the jack and the nano you know if it, it not exactly but fairly closely you can see that okay glaive's going to want to kind of be a little stronger yep um uh nano's going to want to be have a little bit more intellect personality the the jack's the oddball cuz the jack is kind of the master master of all or what is it jack of all trades jack master of, all of none trades. yep yeah uh, literally the Jack, you know, but I definitely think, you know, a majority of, of um, Jacks are going to have this, the speed agility a little bit higher. Um, and I think it's going to serve well, I think to, to kind of have that mirror there um, to simplify things. But yet, you know, that's the key. I think that's also a big differential is there is that what your stat is for that particular, what your number is for that particular stat is, that amount of it that you have to spend, you know, uh, spending the points from the relevant, relevant stat to put forth effort into the action. Um, that I think is going to be a very intriguing, uh, notion of, of having, uh, for lack of better words, a pool of points to, to make these things happen. Um, they, they mentioned in here, or sorry, Monty mentions in here, jumping is a might action, dodging an attack is a speed action. And talking your way past the guard is an intellect action. Well, that's logical. Yeah. I, I really like the, the pool uh, kind of mechanic as well to where it's a resource because it also kind of explains that throughout the day you're kind of u- utilizing all of these things and, you know, you're expending yourself in different ways, mentally, mm-hmm. physically, you know, and I think that this is going to kind of help reflect that. Whereas in other games, you don't necessarily have that. You don't have the like you know and not just just going to like dungeons and dragons you really don't have a mechanic that basically says you've expended yourself outside of your your health your hit points right, and stuff right right and that is the one all be all but this kind of allows you to almost visualize that in a different sense because of the fact that you're expending these pools that you know you're kind of like mentally exhausting yourself to push yourself and that, well that's also i think it's a good way a much better way to 
sort of uh, tell the GM what kind of storytelling you're interested in for uh, your character mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. to uh, just simply, you know, continuously ask, may I make an insight roll? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to pick a, an example at random. Random. Oh, yeah, totally random. Um, yeah, that, that uh, to me, that is interesting, too. But that, that exhaustion that you mentioned, Eric, is is ideal because i mean perfect example you know we're all smart guys you know how many times at the end of the day are you like man i cannot think another iota you know (laughs) every day after work my friend yeah (laughs) you're just drained and done and um i have spent every bit of intellect points to bring down my (laughs) bring down my difficulty number (laughs) right and i certainly have had days when i've not been as agile as i should be by the end of the day um so, uh, well, I'm at, I'm at and the, the neat thing is buying down the difficulty. I, I like that idea as opposed yes. to necessarily just adding to your role. You're actually mm-hmm. reducing what you have to roll. And yep. it's kind of a different way of looking at it. it they both accomplish the same thing, but I, I kind of like that idea that it makes it look better. I think mm-hmm. when you're, when you're going, okay, I've got this difficulty, it's super hard and it's going to be impossible to do, but here I'm going to like totally focus on it. And I'm going to put all that I can from, you know, this stat in it. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to bring that down just so that I don't even have to roll, you know? And, and I think, honestly, successful. I think it's going to make the uh, kind of party um, camps, you know, when, 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 you have to decide it's time for us to camp in order to kind of rejuvenate. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a little bit more logical uh, of when a natural time would be in a storytelling content, not yeah. just a, Oh, well I'm out of spells for the day. We better camp or, you know, yeah. we're toast, but more of a, Hey, yeah, that last big thing we did really took a lot out of us. This is probably our best bet to kind of, you know, chill out and relax. Um, so I definitely could see that as a, as a, a good, um, uh, good all around storytelling technique. Yeah, and and it also makes it so it's easier picking. I mean, like when you're picking your stats, you may not, you may have one that's not necessarily high, mm-hmm. but you can still use it to yeah. do something extraordinary with your character using that stat by expending those points. So just because you don't have a high intellect doesn't necessarily mean that you might not be able to pull off that one time that you really need it. Sure. You know, you're not really just depending on the roll of the dice and the luck, your luck. Sure. You you have a say in the matter. And I think well, that that's important. And this is probably a good transition here too, is that training also goes into reducing the difficult, difficulties of tasks. So yeah. basically you have this pool that is your essence essentially that you're using up and, and exhausting in a day to do accomplish certain things to put forth that extra effort. But you've also got training that also kind of takes an edge off of the difficulties. So you've got the two combined to, you know, kind of show you, well, I can get a little bit off because of this training I have in this, but if I put a little effort, I can knock it down a little bit more and, you know, make it much, much easier, much more realistic to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The, tr- the training thing combined with the simplicity of the stats and, and the pool of mm-hmm. your stat being a resource, I think they work really well together. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, you know, the one thing that, that has been, you know, bandied about for sure is that this is a player rolling game that the GM doesn't roll. So yeah. um, I think this is going to make it easier on everybody because um, you're going to, know when you're doing an action in in whatever type of action it is you know 
that's what's nice is it doesn't all have to be very combat-y actions. It can be, you know, as it said up there, what was it, uh, talking your way past a guard. So you essentially are, are doing a, an intelligence action to try and, hey, buddy, yeah. I'm supposed to be in there. Yeah. Um, Just yeah. go talk to your boss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he also talks about inabilities, and I'm a, a big fan of having negative stuff <laughs> for your characters. And I, I don't know why, be, being the guy that does not roll high, but I think it's important to define somebody – I think a lot of games they don't they don't want to give that negative connotation to your characters and stuff. But I think you know we all have our our good and our bad, and I think yeah. that that's another thing that really comes into play. And 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 it's nice to actually build out a realistic character and and really yeah. makes the player go. I can identify with this thing, this 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 person, this this persona because of the fact that he becomes more, uh, for lack of a better word, human. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's really where you're going to get into the nitty-gritty of character differentiation mm-hmm. um, is in inabilities in particular. I really do like the fact that uh, since you know this, the three stats being the way they are, you actually do have the ability to uh, fine-tune it and up, you know, play up one side of it through training and downplay another side through inabilities. A- absolutely. You know, they specify that, you know, intellect and charm being connected, but they're not necessarily, you know, both you don't necessarily exceed at both. So his illustration here is you might be a good intellect, but inability with lore um, might suggest that you're smart and charismatic, but you're just not good with scholarly pursuits or the opposite. You know, you might be smart and, you know, even bookish with trainings in all sorts of areas, but has an inability with personal interactions. So that's a good, you know, kind of tweak there to to specify it, to, to say, this is the area that this person might have an inability in. Yeah. And the thing that I really like is that you have here the potential uh, through these, you know, the, these things, the training and inabilities, to have the players help direct the narrative. Right. Um, Absolutely. You, these are actually definable you know, mechanics. If, they, if these are defi- things that uh, generate definable mechanics that the players can use to uh, spend in particular directions, as it were, then that's going to be very exciting, I think. Yeah, totally. And, you know, my first real exposure in in an RPG with with kind of a hindrance was actually um, Fallout, the Fallout series. And that was the special system, which was actually kind of a rip on GURPS because originally they were going to use GURPS for that game. Um, And Steven uh, Jackson apparently wanted to pull his uh, or didn't like how the game was going or the violence level or something of that nature. And um so anyways, uh, I went off on a t- t- tangent again. But the point being was I love that you could take hindrances to give you more points to get better stuff. I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if that's how this is, um, part of the system works. Uh, have any of you guys played Champions ever before? I have not. I've seen the, the, the superhero tones. RPG. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think so. No. That was a major thing with the advantages and disadvantages. <laughs> um, <laughs> that uh, that that was like really the the meat and potatoes of how you put your characters' uh, points together because there were things that covered practically everything. And and, and that makes that makes a lot of sense because um, you know I was also thinking about that was one of the big differentials when Marvel Comics came over DC was the the characters weren't perfect. You know, you had Peter Parker who, you know, made, made an error in the beginning and, and, you know, it cost him his, you know, uncle and, and these imperfections made the characters much more interesting and more realistic to the readers. So, uh, I, I get it. 
That, okay. I guess I was kind of lucky because back when I actually, when we played Dungeons and Dragons, we had this little book called Central Castings. Mm-hmm. And what it was, was it was, was a way to kind of make a life path for your fantasy characters. Now, granted, you, you came up some, with some really crazy, crazy, crazy out of this world characters with it, but it mm-hmm. actually had things built into it to where your characters would have faults and stuff. Oh. They would, they would get boons and stuff like that from certain things, but then you might also get screwed by something else. So I've kind of always played, I mean, we've always kind of had that in our games in, in a roundabout way. So, and that, you know, thanks to that book, central castings that, that kind of like introduced that idea to us. Yeah. Very <laughs> cool. Um, okay. Well then let's talk about experience points. Um, the the way that they're looking at experience points, you know, and, and Monty talks about how, you know, many, many role-playing games have definitely used experience points as a way to, to track and measure uh, character growth, um, leveling up. We all know about leveling up. Um, but he's doing it in a very different way. Um, he even says it's used in a very different way. Um, <laughs> quote, unquote. Yeah, quote, unquote. Um, that that the experience points are a narrative tool in this in this game. Um, the GM can introduce complications that affects a specific character whenever it seems appropriate. But when he does, he offers that player one XP. Player can refuse, but then it costs him one XP. So hey, you can you can take this kind of hindrance that the the GM's throwing your way, and you'll get a one XP for for buying into it. But then, but you can say no, 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 I'm not not really that interested in it. But it's going to cost you one XP. Mm-hmm. Interesting. This, this is a very uh, actually, you know, I'm I'm becoming more and more uh, versed on the fate system, and this is sure. exactly fate. Uh, fate points are utilized in this way, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, whereas a a GM compels somebody, which basically uses one of their aspects against them, right. and so he offers them a fate point. And they can yeah. either take the negative thing that happens or they can spend a fate point and say, no, no, that doesn't happen. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I do like this. The thing that I've got like kind of mixed feelings about is utilizing the experience point system for it. Sure. I think it's nice. Uh, I'm curious to see how it works out. Yeah, this is, I think, the first place where I've seen actual XP used as the kind of in-game currency that the players can use to kind of bend reality a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, uh, in, in Fate, of course, you have the, the Fate points. Um, I know in, in Quags they have uh, the, their in-game currency called Yum Yums, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which is actually, it's, they're supposed to be represented by actual pieces of candy that you bribe the GM with. Nice! Um, <laughs> I need to play that game. Oh, it's hysterical. I've, uh, you know, sooner or later, sooner or later, I will uh, break out uh, Funky Frank and we'll, uh, we'll play it sometime. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> Funkadelic Frankenstein on the mean streets of Monster Town. But I digress. Nice. Um, the... Uh, and in, of course, Savage Worlds, you have bennies that usually only goes as far as just re-rolling. Right. Um, but uh, it, I, I find it interesting. It's a, it's a really cool thing that you can use. And in particular, I like the idea, and that I and I hope it kind of bends in this direction, where you can also use it kind of to help activate certain inabilities and such that people have set up with their stats. Sure. And I'm, a, um, I'm a, I would pretty much as a GM that would be a. a key place I would go. Um, and, you know, it's not to be something that, Hey, you do it over and over again at the same person. Oh, yeah. 
so and so, you know, I think he even yeah. mentions that in one of these about yeah. this isn't a way to kind of beat on some on one particular guy and up oh, this yeah. his his sword breaks again. What a surprise! <laughs> yeah, but I think it's a good way to have the GM, um, and he specifically says, "Hey, this shouldn't be a railroading, but a nudging um, to yeah. to help kind of." And that's that's I've always been a big fan of that as a GM to not necessarily railroad, but to kind of throw in these plot points that. M- yeah logically would get your your guys to oh yeah well we should go and do this and they end up you know going along the path that you you know of least resistance essentially yeah well and i can't tell you the 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 number of times i'm actually something that i started doing not too long ago actually so i I guess it hasn't been that often but Mm -hmm. but, uh, i i know that recently in some games uh mostly when uh, i've been uh, running savage worlds based games uh, it's been sort of like, uh, oh, you're you're curious, aren't you? Are you curious about what's in this uh, th- <laughs> this cave that's just opened up? I say as I slide a Benny across the table toward them. <laughs> you must be curious, must you're you? And very sort of curious. <laughs> yes, yes, I am curious. <laughs> and and it's cool because I think uh, I I don't think people should necessarily look at it as a way to take experience points away from players. Uh, if they, for example, refuse, because you actually can make it so that, I mean, the players are affecting how the game is going to go, even in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully this will be able to facilitate making it interesting whether the thing happens or the thing doesn't happen. And uh, it, by having that actually be something that's not necessarily down to a die roll, but as something that is uh, is in a way kind of mediated. It's like, okay, either this will happen or it won't. Um, you actually are kind of uh, doing something that's going to be more interesting than just, you know, say, okay, well, I, I failed my search check. Now we have to figure out another way to make a search check <laughs> type thing happening. You actually have the plot going in a specific direction. And I'm, I'm very keen to see if that's how uh, games get taken. Uh, if that's the direction games get taken in with this because that would be very cool if it uh, if this is how it's going to work absolutely um i'm trying to reread through this is um wasn't there something in here i'm trying to not go into playtest stuff um about when when a pc gets one yeah, he talks about um, in in this article when when you deliver an experience points to a PC in this way, that that you also kind of that you're you're allowing that PC to like kind of almost pay it forward. They 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 get that XP, but they also can like hand an XP to somebody else for yes. like good role playing or you know a funny That's joke, right. you That's know right. things like that. And I right. I do like that idea because it is of course player empowerment and it does like make it so that it's a neat little mechanic and you know one xp probably isn't going to make a huge difference for this or that but it's just a, a nice little way of for that for everyone to basically be involved because you know when when everyone's not involved it yeah. makes the game kind of like eh, you know eh. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah that's yeah that's a way to do Play, players who gain an xp in this way also get one <clears throat> to award to another player so mm-hmm. not only in in accepting this this hindrance you get one, but you also get another one. So in your Benny's scenario, that'd be like accepting a Benny, but also getting another one to give to another player and to yeah. basically, and I think you could 
a good player could tie that into that nudge. Say, you know, the scenario in here is that a, a by setting up a control panel, a hole opens in the floor, and oops, your character is the one that happens to be standing over it. Yeah. Well, okay, but you know, whoever helps me out, or you know, if I if I just barely make it, then maybe it was this guy who actually helped me do it. So here's his one XP for helping me not fall in the hole. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is nice. That's a nice, nice uh, mechanic, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll, it'll. I think it'll be something that's used, uh, and people are going to really enjoy. Yeah, I think it's going to take some getting used to, though. Um, oh, absolutely! Remembering when to use it and not to overuse it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to uh, make it a fun thing too. You know, right? And, and the GM is going to have to be very smart about uh, applying those. Yeah, certainly. Um, any other thoughts on that? particular point no i think we can move on to using 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 experience points so so once you've gotten experience points and and one of the big things that he's very adamant about this is not a game focused on killing characters yeah uh, killing monsters and i I would really like that (laughs) this to me is the most probably the one of the core reasons why i'm excited about this game that the key is discovery exploring finding new things coming up with a new artifact, you know, uh, exploring some unreachable place, seeing these fantastical things left behind by one of the eight previous eras. Mm-hmm. Man, that's just, that just sounds to me like a game worth my time. Oh yeah. I mean, I've always been kind of down about like all these games that really, really revolve around, Oh, let's go kill this. Let's go kill that. Let's go. Yeah. kill this. Now those, those have their place. Don't get me sure. wrong. There sure. are nights where you're like, I just want to destroy things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I do like the whole fact of where, you know, this is kind of like, Hey, you know, there's this whole world out there that people don't know about like worlds, not just a world, but yeah. like worlds buried upon worlds, buried upon worlds let's go out and let's explore. Let's, let's yeah. be the archeolo- archeologists of our time. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be very awesome. I've been looking for quite a while for a game that, uh, uh, focuses more on things like exploration and discovery. And, uh, if, if this is it, then that's, uh, that, that will be an awesome thing. Yeah. To, to me, it, it really moves this game away from the, Oh, you walk into a tavern and up oh, some guy actually has a uh, quest for you. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, I think it really gets you into... forgot to talk about the shadowy figure sitting nice. in front of oh, yeah. the fireplace. My bad. My bad. <laughs> With an exclamation point over his head. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, and that and to me, that really, you know, we talked about the computer game coming out, how they translate that mentality into a computer game is actually really exciting, too. That's funny, really, because uh, the, it, if you think about the non-RPG computer games that came out in the 80s, the, uh, the, the, the adventure games, you know, Zork and sure. what have you, sure. um, that was all about problem solving. Combat mm-hmm. was present, sure. but it wasn't what the game was about. Yeah. Um, you, you had uh, a lot of games where you were following a protagonist trying to you know, figure out what was going on in the story. I, I remember playing. You, you mentioned Zork uh, uh, Suspended, which was one of those Infocom. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, what an incredible game! It's all a, a giant problem, and the tools that you have are the robots with the different, op, you know, options. Yeah, I could see that translating into something Numenera esque. 
but uh, I, I digress. <laughs> well, in, in in going back to our topic, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. using experience points, he kind of talks about different ways. And, you know, experience points are not necessarily just there to level you. They have mm-hmm. short-term, medium-term, and long-term uses. Um, this this is the part I'm I'm kind of... I don't know. You know, I'm I'm on the fence on because I've seen other systems try to use XP for other game resources. Like he kind of talks about like a short term use as you might toss out an experience point to immediately reroll a die. Now, while I I do love the idea because Mm -hmm. I'm one of those guys that needs that, (laughs) I've seen it done before and it ends up being one of those things that people don't want they, they hold on to because they're hoarding they're yeah. hoarding their they're, they're so used to the, the that drive to level up you're yep. right mm-hmm. i i think i think what he's done here is he's taken these x this xp and he's combined what's what's been in pathfinder is hero points what was in eberron is action points mm-hmm. um they're kind of kickers they're kind of stuff that you can use yeah uh, bennies bennies are the same way yeah um, absolutely. It's, it's savage worlds yeah. He's using that, but then he's it's also your XP. But mm-hmm. the key to remember is that in X in XP, you know, when we talk about the medium and long term, it doesn't take a lot of XP to get certain things in Numenera. Yeah. So I think it's gonna be very interesting for that that balance of the GM to balance how often he's giving out this XP in a game so that it it, it is quite the currency and people feel more liberal to use it because that's that that's where you're going to have to really strike that that balance and that's where i think that is very correct it's one of those things that it i i i know it can be good but it's one thing about getting people out of that mindset Mm -hmm. and also like playing into that balance of like giving so that it can be used for that and and understanding that when you're running a numenera game that xp is more than just the thing that's used to level you up it's right it's it's about you're the character period it's, yep. it's a little yeah. bit of everything and you know I, and he even talks about in this article um the idea the idea if you need to of uh, uh assigning xp that's only for gameplay and then assigning xp yeah. that's only for mm-hmm. um you know between you know at, at leveling your character and what have you um so that uh, you can make it work that way. Yeah. Um, if you feel that you need to put those uh, uh, kind of uh, kind of training wheels, basically on yeah, uh, absolutely uh, on there, so that uh, you know, if you've got, say, for example, a group of uh, of players that are only used to certain styles of gaming, uh, if you want to try to get them used to being able to use the points in different ways, then that might be a good way to kind of train them into it. Yeah. I, I think that's another thing that speaks to the versatility of the game as well, that he, he's understanding enough to where he doesn't want to bake this into it to where if you don't, if you change it, it's going to affect everything. Right. And I think that's that's a good way to approach uh, game design mm-hmm. because a lot of times you'll see in many of the older games that they're just so rigid in their their what they have written into their mechanic that the, immediately when you pull that out – it's a house of cards and just falls apart and you have to like, yeah. you're, you're cleaning up, playing cleanup. Like, okay, now that I change that, I got to change this. Now that right. I change that, I got to change this. Well, and the thing to remember mm-hmm. is that you're not just getting XP from those, those, uh, complications that the GMs give oh, you. Oh, sure. Yeah. He, he's giving you those based on accomplishments Yep. as in similar games. And they may be in larger clumps. Um, his, his speaking here is he's saying that he feels like, 
the general idea is that most characters will spend about half their XP on long-term advancement and half uh, the rest on short and medium-term uses. And let's, yeah. let's talk about the medium-term uses because those are, I think, very intriguing to me. Um, talking about uh, story-based usage that say like while climbing through mountains, these mountains are just like those found in a reason where she grew up. So in those mountains, she's cl- skilled in climbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps her at the time and, and anytime she might return, yeah. but it's not as, as though she's skilled in climb everywhere. Yeah. And this actually, strangely enough, is where I'm starting to see it work a little bit similarly to the way that uh, that Yum Yum's work in Quags, where oh. you can bend reality a little bit with them. Um, sort of like, wait, I happen to have this pistol with me. It's Perhaps it yes. doesn't extend quite that far. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, it it seems to come pretty close. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I like that, you know, especially if, hey, what if you got to a part in the story of the mountains and nobody's taken climb? Yeah. You know, that I think is a really good way to, you know, have a broad based thing and you don't have to. Well, I better not put these mountains in. Nobody's taken climb. You know, now a player can step forward and say, oh, yeah, I, I know about mountains. I mean, these are like the ones back home. I, we can we can navigate through them. I think an easier skill to probably reflect upon that is swimming. Nobody yeah. ever takes swimming. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah. it's such an important it's such an important thing when you come to water to know how to swim. Sure. <laughs> and it's also a, a change that is permanent for your character. Yeah. So it is kind of like spending the XP on a long term growth for your character in that you have now this very this specific thing. Yep. That your character is good at and can do in that category. Yeah. So, you know, he talks about going back and climbing those same types of mountains again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's say for example, if uh, I don't know if there are airships in this game, but uh, I remember I was in a game once mm-hmm. uh, where it was established kind of in the history that I'd uh, spent a lot of time on airships, mm-hmm. and my character had rather specifically, mm-hmm. and uh, that. Uh, then from that point on, I would get a bonus when doing certain things with those types of airships. So sure. it's it's very much the same kind of thing, and I can see that uh, working very nicely. Yeah, so it's I, a thing that you always will have for your character. I like it as a grad because that's always something that's bothered me. Oh, I'm suddenly a level. I suddenly know these all new things with no explanation yes. in story, yeah. game, whatever. <laughs> Whereas this, As kind of, I plunged my sword through the goblin's head. Yeah. I suddenly realized that I under, that I understood those passages of Shakespeare that I'd read. So exactly, I now know that other language. Oh yes, his brains just suddenly made me okay. But um, I, I definitely see that that that's a cool concept to kind of just constantly be tweaking your character, constantly be adding these little things that do it and done in a storytelling way that makes sense. Well, and it also allows you to kind of know. Uh, to help you kind of like tease your character into what he, it eventually will be, because yeah. these are going to be things that you might not take now, but then if you end up doing this a lot, then you're mm-hmm. going to invest the XP to maybe learn how to do it. Sure. Sure. And then he talks about the long-term uses going there, you yeah, know, for per- four XP, mm-hmm. more permanent four XP, you gain training and a skill, increase your stat pools, improve your ability to use effort and so on. Then when you do this four times, you gain a level, which in and of itself has some advantages. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's a very nice way to kind of gradually be increasing. And then, oh, you've done these certain things. Now you are a better, you know, you are a more advanced person. And, and yeah. oh, I've done all these things. So now I, 
I do. I that's how you put these two things together, yeah. and I can now do that more often. That allows for a nice yeah. linear progression for your character, and, mm-hmm. and basically you can see him growing as a character, as opposed to just being like, "Poof, you got it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he he, spe- he spells right out that you know you're pretty pretty well well complete at first level, and there's only six levels, so. Um, he does admit to a power curve, but it's only steep enough to keep things interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And really the main difference I'm seeing between medium term and long term use, he does, I mean, he's, he point, points out here specifically that medium term use is not necessarily permanent. Sure. Um, which I know a moment ago I said it kind of is, but sure. I, I think it kind of is because it's more of a story thing. Right. Uh, so, uh, right. Whereas the long term use Sure. Um, is uh, considered more, uh, I guess, solidly permanent because it's something you actually can put right. down on your character sheet that affects the points. Sure, sure, sure. So I, it's, I, I think he's building a, a setting. I mean, we, we know the setting is great. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, this is only a fraction of what would be considered the mechanics of the game. But I think we're, we're getting a, a clearer and clearer picture of just how enjoyable Numenera is going to be to play. And, you know, I play tested a little bit, not tremendous amount. Um, it, it's hard because I, I want to strike the balance between learning the game and being excited about the game, but not knowing too much that <laughs> we give stuff away in this podcast. But um, uh, it's just shaping up all in all to, to, to be something that I could see wanting to play uh, more and more. So... Any other closing thoughts, guys, before we kind of wrap it up? I'm good. I'm just keen to see where this uh, whole thing goes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I want the game to be out. I yes, want it to be yes, out yes. now. No kidding. <laughs> so just to reiterate for those who aren't in the nose, uh, it is what July, August t- timeline That's the that we should be getting the first core book, um, which aligns nicely to Gen Con. And I, I did want to throw out, I am making plans to go to Gen Con this year. Uh, I don't know if I've shared that with you guys yet, but um, uh, it's definitely going to be uh, uh, exciting time, I think, for this game. So that's why I'm I, I'm making the uh, line in the sand to to commit to go. And, and I bring it up because next week uh, tickets uh, go on sale. So and dead silence. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah. So I'm I'm making plans to go to that. So uh, hopefully, you know. Uh, we can I can do some coverage up uh, up at Gen Con for the uh, the show and bring back some interviews and stuff Always there. Always cool. Always cool. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so yeah, I'm excited about that. So we wanted to end this episode with a new section that we mentioned it up front. We're calling "Kicking It Forward." Uh, it's not an uncommon term now because of the success of Kickstarters, but uh, again, because Numenera was you know launched on a Kickstarter. And Monty, as well as others, are keen on what they call kicking it forward, which is using funds from a successful Kickstarter to help help some others. Uh, we thought we'd do the same way in informational terms, uh, especially as a, a listener of the show, hopefully is into RPGs of all sizes, shapes, and flavors. Um, and Eric, you're our resident Kickstarter guy. You're the one who turned us on to Numenera. Um, what's, what's kicking that you're excited about? Well, I mean, for the most part, I'm sure probably many people listening are familiar with a couple of these, but uh, mm-hmm. the one I'm really, really kind of itching for right now is the Fate Core. 
Um, and, and it's just, oh, yeah. it's, uh, it's just blown <laughs> itself away. I mean, every day we're hitting stretch goals and stuff like that. It seems like, and, and, uh, the people at evil hat productions seem to be some mighty fine folk. Uh, they're just very, uh, yeah. responsive to all the comments and, uh, they're very giving when it comes to, to what they're giving people. <laughs> every time I see an up, I, every time I see an update from that uh, Kickstarter, I can tell they are on it. Yes. Well, yeah. and the fact that you get like just by contributing, you get access to the beta of, of the rules right yeah. now, and mm-hmm. I think that that mm-hmm. that goes a long way. There's a lot of companies out there that don't that hoard onto their stuff and like you know they they don't want to give it away and. And I think that this is a kind of a nice way of, of you're trusting your people and right. you're saying here, you know, you guys read it, you tell me what's wrong with it and we'll fix it and we'll get out a really nice book. Well, not but, only is it generous of them, but it's also a very good way to spread the word. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and I mean, to, to, they've got nine days left to go on this as we're recording this. So um, if you haven't contributed, it's a great one to contribute to for, for sure. And, yeah, that ability to to give give the beta product away up front, um, knowing that they've already bought into the physical copy, it just makes sense in the long run. Yeah, uh, for multiple reasons. Well, and and actually, something also I just wanted to mention is that you, there's a lot of value in here. I mean, we oh, we we've already talked about how so much, much they're giving away, but mm-hmm. I mean, if if you uh, if you play even just I've pledged at the ten dollar level where it you, yeah. you get. That's all the, you need. The, the expansions. <laughs> That's and everything. You would not believe the number of expansions that they have here mm-hmm. and the, the number of settings that people are writing for this thing. It's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, you, you cannot count. I think we're beyond the point that you can count it with your, your fingers and toes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah, the, the $10, if you're a digital person and you like PDFs and eBooks and stuff like that, $10 gets you the actual digital book of Fate. It gets you the book called Fate Worlds, which has kind of like almost uh, any kind of world that you want, would want to develop with Fate and gives you like examples on how to create those. And then you're getting a system toolkit, which gives you kind of like how to develop different magic systems and an extras toolbox inside of that. And then you're getting all these other things like Shadow of the Century, which is a setting. You're getting a print and play deck for fate cards that they're developing so that people who don't like to use dice can actually just use cards. Um, you're getting yeah. Doe, uh, Fate of the Flying Temple, Fate Freeport yeah. Campaign, Young Centurions RPG, Day After Ragnarok. I mean, holy crud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just excited more than anything about Fate Accelerated. Oh, that uh, too. Because that is going to be, if Fate needs anything, it needs that. It's, yes. uh, because it's, a, it's a fairly simple system, but most books that come out uh, for Fate are over 300 pages. Yeah. This is a booklet that gives you a very streamlined version of Fate that you can learn very simply and is about 30 pages. Yep. That's crazy. Um, and, and you get that, that for $10 with yes. the rest. <laughs> so digital. That, if anything, Oof. is going to, I think, open the floodgates here yeah. after the. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking. I'm sitting at the book level at uh, 30 bucks to get the Fate Core book. But as usual, I'll probably bump it up as we uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to say what I've got invested so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know how you know, much I, of an insane I have to say I, I bash you on that but I am jealous you you went pretty pretty whole hog on Numenera and I held back a little bit and uh, 
regret it now, but you know, I know the books will all be hitting the market. So, I mean, I'll be able to get them. Uh, my biggest thing in in any Kickstarter is definitely to a, to contribute, to help, you know, push it on, but B to get as much as I can, um, you know, for the value, especially if, you know, paying up front means you get it at a cheaper price or more than anything else, any, any exclusives. I I definitely want to get, um, any optional exclusives. I, I really just like knowing that, I'm going to get the book. I don't have to go out and look for it. I don't have to remember it's coming out. Yeah. It's just going to yeah. come. It's just going to come. Yeah. Yeah. That is nice. Um, as I said, uh, certainly, and they, they do have some very nice visuals on here to help you, uh, uh see what exactly you're getting. Oh, they, and they have um, a nice spreadsheet you can download to figure out how to adjust your pledge and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they they yeah. really went out of their way to, uh, to accommodate people because so many people don't understand how to use Kickstarter and, you know, mm-hmm. It's it's really is kind of becoming an art form. <laughs> this one they're at they're almost at the three hundred thousand uh, dollar goal with nine days left to go. So yeah, they're they're almost at three hundred thousand, and they've got seven thousand two hundred forty six backers as of this recording. Cray cray. <laughs> um, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's impressive. I think you know, in lieu of time, we will just mention yeah, one more Kickstarter because we're almost at an hour here. Yep. yep. Um, for those of you who are into Savage Worlds, um, I'm a huge cyberpunk guy. It was my favorite, favorite game back in the day. Cyberpunk 2020 is like I lived and breathed cyberpunk. I remember graphing out things to pull on uh, my players and you know blow their minds. And it has so many great times with it. And there's uh, one out there called Interface Zero. Uh, 2.0 and interface zero has already had a release their 1.0 and it was a wasn't it like an any or something like that jim um i think so. i can't remember now they, i need they, to check it out that sounds right though they, they, might they have were awarded award. they were awarded for something and you know and it really was <laughs> they got great a thing. stuff it was they got bad. they got something <laughs> uh-huh. it was, it was and, and it was something good yeah, but yeah. right now it's it's made its goal and it's progressing towards uh it's 27,000 right now and yep. uh the uh, the people at Gunmetal Games again they're they're super super uh, responsive to everything and I can't mm-hmm. I can't say how much I appreciate when these people are doing kickstarters that they're putting forth comments and putting forth the work to like communicate with their community because that's sure. what they've created they've sure. created a community and it's important for them to stay in touch with them and uh, they are also, like, doing some really great things. Like, if you contribute at the $15 level, you get access to the playtest PDFs as soon as they're made available. Uh, you get access to, um, at the $20 level, I think you get every single Interface Zero PDF released to date for Savage yeah. Worlds. And, and and they've basically giving, given that right now. I mean, you yep. can go on there. And if you've contributed, you can download all of the Interface Zero uh, 1.0 stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, says a lot about a company. I, I want to back those kind of companies because sure, they absolutely. trust me. And, yeah. and, you know, they, they want me to play their game because it's a great game. Mm-hmm. And they've got 39 days left mm-hmm. on that one. Yep. Very nice. Yeah. Definitely uh, one to look at. Let's do a quick lightning round. Uh, Cortex Plus Hacker's Guide. It's got 19 days left to go. They're... Funded already, they're at eighteen thousand. Uh, another nice one. What else? You you had some? Uh... Um, yeah, I know that uh, Razor Coast, as of this recording, only has about three days to go. Um, it's uh, from Frog God Games. It's a uh, uh, Pathfinder and Swords and Wizardry uh, pirate themed adventure. Right. Um, 
And we've also got sorry, tunnels, go and tr- tunnels and Trolls. Deluxe Tunnels and Trolls is out there for all you uh, TNT people. Uh, it's uh, yep. It's uh, made its goal. It's got 15 days to go. Tavern cards, I believe you mentioned. Oh, yes, tavern cards. It's not made its goal yet, so any anyone that might yeah. want to kind of – it's got 23 days. It's essentially um, a deck of regular playing cards, but they can also be used to generate kind of like a a randomly generate a tavern. And then nice. they they talk about then win at poker while you're there, <laughs> and it looks to be uh it looks to be like a really neat. It's got you know it's got some some nice art on the cards, and uh, you know they're playing cards. You can use them for playing a regular game. And uh, Mystic Rose thematic fate fudge dice um, looks like there are about twenty nine days left to go on those. There's are basically uh, fudge dice that instead of the plus and minus and all that they can have different uh, symbols on them like uh, roses, pentagrams, and what have you uh, to represent uh, different themes for different games. They're right now only about a little under halfway toward their goal, but uh, they've got almost a month, so hopefully they'll make it. Very nice. And we have one uh, actually real close to my backyard, uh, Belmont NC. They've got one, Battle for Souls, a card game. I haven't looked anything at it. It just came up as a local local one. They've, they're almost at goal with 12 days left to go at uh, 22,000. So interesting. All right. Yeah. So we'll keep this up going as frequently as we can because um, we think it's a, a worthwhile goal and, and Eric's such a on the pulse of it. So, well, so is Jim and me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> between, between Jim and I, you'll probably never miss a Kickstarter ever again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You'll have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's a good time to wrap it up. I did want to just make one more plug for the ninthworldhub.com. Spell that out, Ninth World. Um, and uh, please come on, join, uh, talk about the podcast, talk about the game, talk about the computer game, whatever about Numenera excites you, let's talk about. And that's uh, that's available for everybody. Um, any other closing comments from you guys? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Uh, we are good. <laughs> It looks like our focus for the next podcast is going to be Numenera themselves, the actual objects that the game is named for. And we'll talk about the different types and categories that Monty's discussed. And I think that's going to be an interesting one for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, of course, uh, as I said, uh, in the future, we hope to have some more guests on. I don't want to get specifics because we don't have specifics ironed down. But uh, I think we've got some uh, good good, – probably six months of shows uh, ready to go. So uh, I'm excited. Definitely. Yay. All right. So check out the site, ninthworldhub.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. D20 radio for uh, believing in us up front. I hope we've delivered thus far and please, you know, check out some of the other D20 podcasts that are out there. Uh, They're all our brethren and uh, uh, check them out. So with that, we'll sign out. Take care folks. The Transmissions from the Ninth World podcast is not affiliated with Monty Cook Games. It has been produced under the Creative Commons license and is for entertainment and information purposes only. Music provided by Kevin McLeod. Transmissions from the Ninth World is a proud affiliate of the D20 Radio Group.